the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, we often say that the Bible interprets the Bible, and Scripture harmonizes with Scripture. When I read Proverbs 24, verse 1, I really do think about that, and and we'll open that up in just a moment. But first of all, I want to welcome you to Exploring the Word. My name is Alex McFarlane. With me, as always, is Bert Harper. And we invite you to get a copy of God's Word, turn to Proverbs, the Book of Wisdom, and we'll look at chapter 24, or if you're driving or uh, don't have a Bible handy, just listen along, and we'll we'll drink deeply from that uh, well of truth called the Bible. Bert, it's an honor to do this, isn't it? It is, and we're enjoying going through Proverbs. Uh, we gave a a more of a bird's eye view of it earlier, uh, doing exploring the Word, and it's. By the way, it's in the AFA store if you want to go there and look at that. But we're being more deliberate this time, and I'm really enjoying it. And I'm seeing some things afresh and new, and one of them is this, 2410. Now, that doesn't mean we start there. We'll go back to verse 1. But 2410, just what a time, what a verse for such a time as this. Here it is. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Listen, adverse times are upon us, difficult times, hard times. What a time to be ready, to be filled with the Spirit, empowered by Him, ready to stand. So, Alex, uh, I don't want to faint in the day of adversity, brother. Amen. We have every reason to stand strong. And let me say, Bert, you're right. These are, these are trying times and hard times. But, friends, we want to say the Lord Jesus is in control you give your life to Christ, he will carry you along, provide, strengthen you, sustain you. Bert, I think we have every reason not only to keep on keeping on, but to be joyful and excited <laughs> while we do it. Amen. But, um, Amen. Alex, I, I think there's two or three things that people over these past now 10 plus years that we've been doing exploring the word together, that they hear us as people that Yes, we do our best to stay with the Word of God, but we try to see the hope that the Word of God brings to us. And uh, we see that in Proverbs, the hope that we have. It's all in Christ Jesus. So uh, we pray that you are living your life joyfully and hopefully. Now, where was Paul when he wrote the book of Philippians and and the theme is rejoice. Seems like he mentions the word joy or rejoice 14 and, to 16 times. Let me see, where was he? Well, do they sometimes call those the prison <laughs> epistles? They sure do. And uh, so, uh, listen. Uh, so, so you're telling me the Apostle Paul was locked up, incarcerated, and yet he was able to have joy because Jesus was with him. That's the whole idea. And we're praying that, that you would... K- you know, some people talk about Christianity. It's caught more than it's taught. Uh, right. Listen, I I think I got both of them. I was taught it, but I caught it as well. I saw the difference in in men and women's lives who were following Christ, Alex. I saw that, and uh, I wanted that. I wanted that hope. I wanted that courageous spirit. And so yes. uh, I pray that we're 
teaching it, but I pray people would catch it from us as well, man. Well, you, you know how the Bible is a book that has a unified message, and it's the Savior and how you can know Him and, and the kingdom of God. Well, Psalm 37 says, Do not fret because of evildoers. Well, I look at Proverbs 24. Be not thou envious of evil men, neither desire to be with them. You know, that, that sounds like Psalm 37, verse 19. Uh, Proverbs 24, fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious of the wicked, for they shall be no reward to the evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. Bert, uh, we read this, and so many times in Proverbs, it, it sort of was reminiscent of, of precious other scriptures that we've come across. Verse 2 of 24, for their heart studies destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. Now, the, the dishonest, the immoral, the evil person, um, whether it's a person who's just uh, engaged in overt crime or whether it's a person that's just pushed God out of their life, uh, according to verse 2, they may not know it, but what they're doing is building up destruction. You know, when I read that, I could not help but think of Noah's day when it says their thoughts and intents were evil continually. Uh, this... this uh, Proverbs also warns you about having these kind of men uh, and today women in leadership, those that would that they devise ways for violence for control. They uh, they make excuses for violence, and so that's the way it was in Noah's day. And so here it is again, Alex, as you said, and and I think that's what several things excites me about Bible study. But one of the Amen. things that I enjoy about Bible study is tying those scriptures together, just like you did Psalm 37 and Proverbs 24. You tie those together, and here we see their evil lips, but we see what was going on in Noah's day. And, and so the whole idea is it is compounded. You know, it's kind of like compounded interest. If you can get right. compounded interest, it grows exponentially faster. And so when the Word of God, as you said it many times, when it says it one time, that is sufficient. But when it says it again and again and again, it's kind of compounded, and uh, it really gets our attention, doesn't it? Well, it really does, and, and that's why it is so wonderful to cherish and treasure and store up the Word of God in your heart. Because, you know, I'll say this, we'll get to, back to Proverbs 24. At least in my life, the Holy Spirit brings it to remembrance. You know, First John 2, 27, the Spirit that abides in you will teach you all things. But um, when you've got the Word of God and you've read it, you've internalized it, at the right moment, at just the right time, the Spirit of God will call it up and bring it to your remembrance, and that... That'll be just what you need for encouragement and strength. But it says in verse 3, Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, look at these um, nouns. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, riches. That's God and His Word, isn't it? Look what comes it's riches it's real riches money will fade away you know what shall it gain a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul but here it's eternal riches wisdom understanding knowledge now does it bring some 
uh, great things here in this life, this life that is temporal for a while? Yes, it does. But the greatest things are those riches that follow. And, and here Solomon makes that plain. And then it goes on in verse 5, a wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. Here is knowledge and wisdom again. And notice it increases strength. If you can continue in uh, this knowledge, this uh, wisdom, Alex, it, it brings it on. Again, it grows. And that's the reason, that, you know, two or three places in Proverbs, it talks about the gray hair or the white-haired man filled with wisdom. And so if you can combine wisdom with experience, you've got a gem, haven't you? Oh, my goodness. And let, let me say strength. Verse 5 talks about being strong. Uh, it's been said that, that the, uh, you know, the strength of youth is physical, but the strength of older years is spiritual. And see, there's a, a lot. I mean, we're physical, we're emotional, we're intellectual. Yes, we're spiritual. God wants to mature you in all of those areas. And Bert, I've been around a lot of people, and um, I know you have too, in the ministry, very often I'm around older people. And I want to tell you, friends, there is something so beautiful and, in fact, something so inspiring when you're around an elderly person and may, maybe the years have taken their toll in a physical sense, but they are mighty in the Lord and joyful. I've been around some feeble, older men, but they were giants of the faith. And there's just something so moving and inspiring. I've been around godly women that were elderly, and they've walked with Jesus for decades. And, and there's a joy and a glow and a beauty. And what we're saying here, I think what Proverbs is calling us to, be strong in your Savior. Yeah. And, and that's a strength that will go with you and work in you all the years of your life. They bring something to the table that no one else can. And when you can combine that, and I love churches that are multi-generational. It is so much Amen. fun to be a part of that. Those youth, the vibrance, and they're ready to be discipled. The, those that are older, that has the experience, that's garner, garnered wisdom, and they're willing to share it and mentor them. It's an awesome combination. And that's why in the church it was such a... They turned the world upside down, uh, and they passed it on. Alex, real quickly, verses 6 and 7, at least before we go to break, are so important. Verse 6 has become one of those that's a classic. I, I was telling uh, Devin before I said, I guess Proverbs, all of it's wisdom, but some of them are zingers. You know, they're powerful, <laughs> you know, and here's one of them. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, verse 7, I think they, they do back up each other. Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. Now, the reason I combine those is verse 6 talks about going to war and having counselors before you do it. And then it talks about sitting in the gate where the, the, the leadership, the wisdom are. And, and it shows you the counsel, but it shows you how foolish it is for a fool to sit in the place of, of authority. He does not open his mouth. He better not open his gate in the mouth. Uh, open your mouth and show and reveal how foolish you are, you know? And right. have you ever heard of the Peter principle where your promotion uh -huh. has already 
uh, gone above your capacity to deliver. Now, it's a little yes. bit different than that, but I think that's verse 7. You know, uh, they shouldn't be sitting in the gate if they don't know and have wisdom. They shouldn't be there to make those judgments, should they? Well, you know, in business, sometimes there's this saying that people often rise to the level of their incompetency. That's it. And, you know, uh, make it where your limits are not self-imposed. Um, and I, that's why I'm so excited about being a believer, being led by the Spirit of God. You're growing daily in the Word of God. Listen, folks, don't tell yourself, uh, well, I'm going to put it this way, don't limit God in your life. Don't be a person that um, your own incompetencies catch up with you. Be the person that's always teachable. Every day you're saying, Lord Jesus, here I am. Guide me, use me. And I've seen people go far beyond what anybody might have thought they could have gone. And I think I'm an example. Goodness gracious. I am in my high school. I probably would have been least likely to succeed. And yet, and I give God the glory, but. When you give your life to Jesus, things happen, don't they, Bert? They do, and it is powerful, and it is strong. Again, combining Scripture, looking at it, when it talks about going to war and the multitude of counselors, I couldn't help but think about what Jesus said before uh, you go to war, send an ambassador to see if there's a way to avoid the war. And, and that's what we're praying in Ukraine and, and, and Russia with that. We're praying that some yeah. wiser oh. heads would would be there. We're praying the wiser heads would be on the, the American-Mexico border. We need some wisdom there. And we're praying for that. And this is where, why is this relevant? Because Proverbs is the book of wisdom, and we need some wisdom in leadership. Hey, we're going to come back, and we're going to look at some of these other scriptures in Proverbs 24. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Rachel Taylor, Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary for Policy, Management, and Budget at the U.S. Department of the Interior. Her office oversees management and conservation of federal lands. Genesis 1-1 reminds us that the earth is God's creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Rachel Taylor in her role at the Department of the Interior. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Many people let their past dictate their future. But Dr. Tony Evans says God wants to set us free from that kind of bondage. He'll take us to Philippians 3.13 today as we spend two minutes with Tony. We all have regrets. We wish we coulda, we shoulda, we didn't. And that can so control your mind that you don't move forward because yesterday owns you. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, I press on to the high mark of the calling in Jesus Christ. I know yesterday wasn't great. I know there were failures yesterday. You confess it, you repent of it, and then you move on by faith. 
Samson is in the hall of faith. How's Samson going to be in the hall of faith? Because he was able to shed yesterday and end with a bang. So that instead of Samson, he accomplished more from God at the end of his life than he did up to that point. And he made it to the hall of faith. You know what that means? That means for you and me, it means it's not too late. So you keep going by faith. Don't let yesterday hold you back. So people can be encumbrances. The past can be encumbrances. That slows you down because you're not walking by faith if it's only about you. Don't let the rear view mirror of yesterday keep you from the windshield of tomorrow. If you need to do a spiritual about face, you'll find the help you're looking for in Dr. Evans' CD series, Divine Reset, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is alive. Alex, I got something to ask you. Does your foot yeah. stay still when that introductory music comes in or oh, does it start tapping? I'm so glad you said that. I was <laughs> tapping my foot at that great Southern gospel music. Uh, yes, I was uh, yeah. I was feeling the beat. I was too. Let me uh, again, when I in there's so many verses in chapter twenty four. We won't be able to go over them all, but we've we've done the first ones. But there is one that I really wanted to get to, so I'm gonna jump there and Alex uh, the good thing about Proverbs, the way it's listed, you can jump backwards and, and still be all right. But oh, yeah. ver- verse 16 is one that really intrigues me. And I want you to come in on it as I say one or two things. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. I was doing research, and I, do you know the, the author John Phillips um, oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I read what he was talking about, and he used the examples in verse 16 of King David and King Saul. He listed seven mistakes that David made uh, during his uh, time of running from Saul and then after he became king. But each time he said he would, he rose again and uh, to do that which is right. And he is talking about Saul. He said, but Saul is described in the latter part of 16, the wicked shall fall by calamity. He did it and made excuse. David would try to correct his, you know, and confess it and correct it. And But Saul justified it and tried to find reason for it. Uh, but what do you think about that? The righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Uh, one more thing I'd say, you referred to a great coach, you know, I think it was a week or so ago, John Wooden, who coached the UCLA Bruins and won more oh, yes. uh, NCAA basketball championships during that period. You could could hardly believe it. But he said, you know, when players are out playing and they try something new, he said, I never pulled them. I never got on to them because I knew they would learn from their mistake. 
Now, if they repeated that which is wrong, he said, I'd pull them out and set them on the bench. But, you know, uh, you know, are, are good men, good women, are we going to fall sometimes? Oh, yeah. Even even the best people have uh, missteps and things like that. And, you know, the old saying about, you know, I took one step forward and two steps backwards or something like that. But, you know, I've got to say, you mentioned Coach uh, John Wooden. Um, when the book came out, The Ten Most Common Objections to Christianity, this was in 2007. Uh, so this was just two years before I had the honor of being invited to be a part of AFA. But I was out in California, and they had a party for me. The book came out, and we were promoting the Ten Most Common Objections book. And so among the things they gave me, this same publisher had a book called Coach Wooden's Pyramid of Success. Yeah. Building, and do you remember that book? I do. I sure do. And that book changed my life. I mean, because, uh, and I can't say I've measured up to it, but he was a godly man, and he understood, like verse 15, um, you know, that uh, a righteous man might, I'm sorry, verse 16, a man falls seven times but rises up again. You know, Bert, I, I heard a quote, Albert Einstein, the famous physicist, uh, Einstein once said this, he said, it's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I work on my problems longer. <laughs> oh, Now, he wow. was smart. He but was, yeah. The thing but, is, mm. There's a lot to be said. Milton Berle, the famous comedian, um, and I'm showing my age, I know, but um, if you recall that name from the golden age of television, Milton Berle, but he had come up in vaudeville, there was all this uh, competition, and he said, oftentimes success is being just the last man standing, the one who just <laughs> never did quit. Amen. And yeah. let me just say this, and I'm going to throw it back to you. Brothers and sisters, be a follow-through Christian. God will help you. Uh, follow through with your church. Don't quit on the responsibilities that the Lord has graciously put on your shoulders. I honestly believe, see, our burdens and our responsibilities, they, they improve us. That They can. And I want to say, don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your relationships. That thing that is a hard thing and you want to be out from under it, may be the very thing that the Lord uses to shape you into the person he wants you to be. Alex, good words, brother. I, I said you may want to go backward. I'm going backward, and I want to look at verses 13 and 14. Now, why do, we won't have to spend a lot of time, but listen to the comparison of what the Word of God is to our lives. My son, eat honey because it is good, and the honeycomb, which is sweet to your taste, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. If you mm. have found it, there is a, is a prospect, and your hope will not be cut off. Alex, the power of the Word of God. I've, I've been in places where I did not know exactly what to say, the death of a, of a person, difficulty. But the Word of God speaks, and uh, it is like honey. And sometimes they may not be ready to hear it, but they will, it will come, and the Word of God will go forth, and it will accomplish what God sends it forth to do. And, and I love that comparison. It's honey to our its taste. I mean, Alex, the Word of God in our lives, uh, yes, sometimes it's difficult and hard, but I want to tell you, it stays with you, doesn't it? It's kind of like mm -hmm. honey. It's the food that never 
per- perishes. It doesn't spoil, uh, you know. So you, when you compare the Word of God to honey, the Word of God is it is settled. It is settled in heaven. It's good today. It's good forever. Honey is that uh, food that doesn't spoil. I, I love oh, Solomon's comparison on that. That that's true. And uh, folks, if you're just tuning in, this is exploring the Word. We're in Proverbs 24 in just a not too short few minutes. We're going to open up the phones for calls. You know, um, back when we were in Proverbs 21 verse 2, it talked about the Lord ponders the heart. And in verse 12 of 24, it says, you know, if if something is evil, you say, hey, I didn't know it. Behold, I knew it not. Doth not he who ponders the heart consider it? So God knows our ways. And it says in verse 12, God will render according to our works. And down uh, later on, it talks about fearing the Lord because God really does know our heart. There's so much in here about integrity and honesty and uh, something we definitely need, the fear of the Lord. But let, let me uh, look at verse 17 for a second. Talking about integrity, and we, look, we've all got the things we're passionate about. We fight for this. We stand for that. Verse 17 says, Rejoice not when thine enemy falls, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbles. Uh, Bert, um, back in the fall, I had the privilege of being in uh, Illinois, West Frankfort, Illinois, and got to go to the place where this, the Lincoln-Douglas debates had been. And Abraham Lincoln debated Stephen Douglas, and they say during those debates, Stephen Douglas was pretty vicious, and he said Abraham Lincoln was—he he made horribly uh, disrespectful remarks about Lincoln's appearance and mocked him, and I mean, those were rough debates, but Lincoln became president— and they said when Lincoln was lying in state after he was shot, uh, Stephen Douglas wept over his coffin and said to the public, this is the finest man that I've ever known. Um, he didn't rejoice when his enemy fell. He, and look, I, I think in this day and age when there's so much acrimony, and look, I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative, I mean, I'm a, as, as right-wing as it gets— but we've got to remember, even that person with whom we disagree is a human being worthy of respect. And I, I think verse 17 is a verse for our times, Bert. I agree. And matter of fact, Alex, I, I said, now, if I go next, if Alec passes up 17, I'm going to go back to it. This is so real, so true. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Verse 18 tells you what may come your way lest the Lord see it, and it displeases him, and he turn away his wrath from him. There's another New Testament scripture that came to my mind over in the book of Galatians chapter 6 concerning restoring a brother who has fallen. And it says if you don't, guess what? You may be caught up and you fall away. Alex, uh, what goes around comes around sometimes, doesn't it? it you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It does. It does. And again, Proverbs 24 and so many other passages said, look, God ponders the, the, our ways, the state of our heart. God knows. And uh, it, verse 18 talks about the Lord sees, and we don't want to dis, uh, displease the Lord. He sees our heart, he, right? Now, that's, he does. That's, what's, that's what's important here. Even if we don't say it and we don't express that outward experience of a enemy fallen, 
God looks past the words into a heart to see if there's inward rejoicing in our life over the failure of our enemy. That displeases him, Alex. Yeah, and I got to tell you, my dear sister, she might be listening, Caroline Stainback. But when we were little and we were always going at it, if she got in trouble, I was happy. And if I got in trouble, I, she was smugly, you know, if I was going to be the one to get the paddling, uh, I guess that's what siblings do sometimes. But there comes a time when you, you realize that uh, we're not to rejoice over uh, people falling into hard things. But I, I want to talk about verse 21 for just a second. Proverbs 24, it says, My son, fear thou the Lord and the king, and meddle not with them that are given to change. Now, that's interesting because, you know, some things change. But what it really means is people that are disruptors are doing something again like a second time, having to repeat things or um, just disrupting things for no reason. Uh, fear the Lord, uh, the King, but let's not let's not be somebody who's just a troublemaker. Amen. There's plenty more, and we, we're just going to hit these highlights times. Verse 23, these things also begin to the wise. That's the introduction to the next few verses. But listen to the latter part of verse 23. It is not to good, it is not good to show partiality in judgment. The right. book of James qualifies that. Jesus qualifies that. It says, he who says to the wicked, you're righteous, him the people will curse, nations will abhor him, but those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. Again, there's a time to stand for righteousness, Alex, regardless who you're standing opposed to. Now, again, mm -hmm. you don't rejoice in the enemy's failure, but there's a time to stand and be strong. And, and Solomon lays it out. And then he says, and I want to read verse 26 and 27 along with that, and I'll throw it back to you. He who gives the right answer kisses the lips. Now, listen to verse 27. Yeah. Prepare your outside work, make it fit for yourself in the field, and afterward build your house. Now, in other words, uh, is, is he saying you better concentrate on what's going to keep you alive you better concentrate <laughs> on that, which is the most vital and important. Take, did you ever have one of those classes where you had to set your priorities and you had to put them A, B, C, and D? A is the yes. most important and D is the least important. They said, find out what, you, I went to one of these classes, find out when your most productive time is. Is it early in the morning, midday, or you're a night person, and man, you can get it done. Concentrate on those A's and get those important things done. Most of the times, the C's and the D's that are really important, they'll fade away if you're not careful. But A's that, and B's, they're going to be there. You better concentrate on them, you know? Exactly. 28 and 29 seem to stand together. Be not a witness against thy neighbor without cause. Deceive not with thy lips. Say not, I will do so to him as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. Now, Bert, you know, back in um, Exodus 2016, it says that we're not to be uh, bear false witness against our neighbor. You know, we don't spread a rumor uh, or we don't we don't lie and convict somebody with false words. Verse 28, be not a witness against thy neighbor without cause. Uh, don't deceive somebody with your lips. And verse 29 is speaking about not being vengeful or, or the word vindictive. You know, the word vindictive is, is a, a, 
That's a, a word that always kind of makes me tremble in my soul because God makes things right. And, and I know there's times to stand up for things, and, but uh, we're not to be vengeful people, are we? We are not. And as we come to the end, we want to come to the end of, of Proverbs 24, verses 33 and 34. These have come maxims. These are well known. These are the zingers that I was telling Devin about. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So your poverty will come like a prowler and you won't and you won't like an armed man. Now, Alex, verse 32, it it rings out through time, doesn't it? It does. And by the way, this is much, much like Proverbs 6, 9, the ant is so industrious. But I'm going to tell you, um, you know, those verses, they, they really put the fear of God in me as a kid growing up on the farm. And we kind of had it pretty rough. And I remember in Bible school, I learned this verse, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands and poverty will come on you. And uh, that made me want to get a job. <laughs> It made me think of Ben Franklin, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Where do you think Ben Franklin may have come up with that axiom? I think he probably heard it under the preaching of George Whitfield, or he heard it in church somewhere. But uh, let me tell you, Proverbs is God's book of wisdom, and it's as relevant and applicable today as it was when it was written. It really is. And let me remind you, we got 30 seconds before the break. Uh, Start reading Proverbs, especially when you're making big decisions. I mean, concentrate on the book of Proverbs and say, Lord, I want you to speak to my heart. Uh, I want to tell you it will. We're going to take phone calls in the last segment. We look forward to that each and every day. And so that number that you can call is 888-589-8840. We would love to hear from you today with your Bible questions. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. To sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio Program. I'm host David Wheaton, inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Will Thomas competed on the men's swim team at the University of Pennsylvania in relative obscurity for three years. He then declared himself to be a transgender woman, started competing on the women's swim team, and began demolishing long-held women's swimming records. Now, several of Thomas's female swim teammates have expressed discomfort with having this man, who's told them that he's attracted to women, exposing his obviously male genitalia when he changes and showers with them in their locker room. Regressivism is willing to destroy women in favor of trans insanity. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Proverbs 17, verse 22 says, A joyful heart is good medicine. Once I visited a large city in Central Asia that had once been part of the Soviet Union. I spent most of my time there teaching the Bible to Christian leaders, but I also ventured out into the city, and I saw that very few people there ever smiled. I learned that under communist control, most of them had been brought up to think that smiling and laughing are weak and frivolous. It made for a sad and somber place. To God, joy is serious business. He wants you to live full of joy. A joyful heart isn't just good for you, but for others around you. So take your heart medicine, rejoice in the Lord, and smile. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. In a desperate place, Father, I know you can bear the weight, Father. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. This is the part of the program where we open up the phone lines. We would love to hear from you. The number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And uh, Bert, you know, uh, with so much going on in the world today, it's important to pass on the Christian faith to young people. Our camp, Truth for a New Generation, summer camp, it's for middle school and high schoolers. It's July 17 through 22nd, just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. And the theme is, is Unashamed, Building Your Biblical Worldview. I want to personally disciple your youth this summer. Will and Mickey Addison will be there from AFA. You can go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com. A youth or an entire youth group will, will go fishing, will go hiking, will do the ropes course, all that fun camp stuff, but will drill down deeply into the Word of God this summer. Bring your kids to the youth camp. I pray that you would do that. Youth guys... Parents, get there as soon as you can. You will be blessed and you will be equipped. And those having those two things together is awesome. Let's go to the phone lines, and we're going to go to Arkansas and talk to Shirley. Shirley, welcome. Hello. Um, my question has to do with the uh, the kingdom after it was divided, the northern and the southern kingdoms, and. Um, I'm accustomed to hearing uh, Judah and Benjamin were the southern kingdom, and it kind of got shortened to just Judah. But my Bible shows that the tribe of Simeon is right in the middle of Judah. So are they, is Simeon the northern, part of the northern kingdom or not? Okay. I love geography. I talk about that quite a bit on this program, how it means. And I got to my maps. My map does not show that. And I, I was trying to remember and uh, find out a little information about it and do my best to remember that. Uh, Judah and Benjamin did become the southern kingdom. And what's interesting about that, Judah was the largest and one of the largest. Manasseh was large as well. And then Benjamin was one of the smallest, and, and that was true. 
Simeon, if you got a map there that you can look at that, Alex, and see what Shirley saw? Well, you know, uh, I'm trying to pull up a map now. The tribe of Simeon got a very small part of land that was originally part of Judah, uh, and really the uh, tribe of Judah didn't have enough people to really management, and the, the land of Simeon was completely surrounded by Judah's territory. And so as I understand it, Bert, am I right? The kingdom of Judah was really a part of the southern kingdom, and then finally in 586 it was conquered by Babylon. And so it was almost... Um, a little bit of an independent state, finally became part of the southern kingdom, and then finally uh, relinquished when the Babylonian takeover took place uh, half a millennia before the birth of Christ. Okay. Shirley, you can tell Alex was ready for that. I was trying to remember and do it, and he did. And that is the reason. Uh, a lot of times that's what happened. Manasseh and Ephraim. Matter of fact, let me just throw one more thing in there. A lot of times the northern country uh you know uh israel was referred to as ephraim and the mm -hmm, many yeah. many times because they were so dominant in their leadership and size and so sometimes that's exactly what would happen and uh, the absorption of those into the others and that is one of them shirley thank you for listening thank you for calling let's go to texas and talk to kevin kevin welcome hi Thank you for taking my call. Yes, uh, my brother. question is about First Peter chapter three and verse twenty-one, where it says, uh, "Let's see." It says, "Even baptism doth also now save us." And I guess I've never—it doesn't seem consistent um, to say that you know that's how we obtain salvation. But I've never really, um, you know, heard any good explanation because I don't want to discredit it because it is you know in the Bible. But I just wanted to hear if mm. you can. Okay. Uh, you know, explain that a little bit better. Before Alex says you something, I, I just want to share with you what you always do when you look at one verse and you, you look at where it's at, Old or New Testament. You look to see which part of the literature. Is it epistles or history or is it prophecy in the New Testament? And then you look to see where it's at, what's before it, what's after it. And, and Alex, that really helps. And sometimes it gives more meaning to what the writer was uh, was getting to, doesn't it? It really does, and you know, it's funny, I'm glad you asked this question, brother, because I actually was conversing with someone this morning on this very same question. One of the keys, this is imperative to understand, is that the New Testament uses the word baptism in two senses. There is water baptism uh, that is the public declaration of the faith that you've experienced, but then, and one of the key passages and this is where the, the 1 Peter 3 comes in. But in Galatians 3, 21 through 27, there's the, the talk of being baptized into Christ. Now, Galatians 3, 27, uh, if you've been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. Well, how does that happen? This is wonderful. Verse 22. Uh, I'm sorry, 23. Um I want to make sure that I give you the right verse here. But it comes about by faith. Uh, it says all are under uh, the law, we're under sin. But it goes on and says um, that we believe by faith. This is in Galatians 3. And it says, um, you know, if, the, if righteousness could have come by the law, you know, why did Jesus die? 
All right, verse 22. The promise of faith of Jesus might be given to them that believe. Okay, what is the promise of faith? Salvation in Jesus to them who believe. Now, if you had to add water baptism to that, verse 22 of Galatians 3 would have been where you'd put that in. And so clearly, if you look at Galatians 3, 21 through 27, you are baptized into Christ by faith or by belief in Jesus. Now, the other way in which the New Testament uses the word baptism is like Matthew 28, uh, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, Bert, I really think it's key to understand that salvation, you're baptized into Christ. Water baptism, you're publicly showing your connection to Jesus, your connection to the local church, and baptism by water is not what saves you, but it's the public proclamation of the salvation that's already taken place. Great answer, and and Kevin, you're not the only one that, uh, as Alex said earlier, I remember talking about that, and when you see the eight souls that were saved through water uh, in chapter 20, it wasn't the water that saved them, it was the ark, and the ark always represented Jesus Christ, the one they came into the ark, the way we come into Christ. And, and so here I, I agree with Alex fully. It's talking about the baptism, the Holy Spirit coming in our lives and indwelling our lives. And what, an, what a great, great verse Peter puts to us. Thank you so much. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Scott. Scott, welcome. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for taking my call. God bless you. Uh, and it's, this is really on uh, a continuation of the previous question. True story, lady in Texas, born and raised in the Lutheran church, becomes a Southern Baptist, happy lady, raising her kids in the faith. Her daughter in late high school became associated with the United Pentecostals. And it troubles the mother because... They said that the child's baptism was ineffectual because the child was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, rather than Jesus only. And then she found out that they actually denied the Trinity. So there was a potentially salvific issue we had here. And Good word. She engaged, she engaged the United Pentecostal lady that was dealing with her daughter, and they both had dueling scripture verses. And they couldn't get to closure on this issue, so she thought she would bring in her Lutheran pastor from her childhood who had a different interpretation of baptism than the Baptists and the Pentecostals. And her, she had a next-door neighbor that was Church of Christ that had a different interpretation of baptism from the Baptists and the Lutheran and the Pentecostal. And she despaired at this predicament, thinking, could the Pentecostals be right and the Trinitarian formula wrong? And so at the end of the day, when we've got dueling Scripture verses and we're sitting around at a table, how do you come to a conclusion that your opinion is definitively true, or is it just your opinion? Scott, you set it up great. Let me make one or two observations, and Alex, then uh, we'll do our best to unlock that. But let me share this with you. 
Uh, today, I was reading an article. There's a, a, a church and a priest, Catholic priest, out in Phoenix. And for since uh, 2005, he's been there baptizing all those people. And he used the wrong formula in place of saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, we baptize you. And so they're annulling all of those baptisms, and they're having to be rebaptized to make sure they have the formula exactly right. I just want to tell you, uh, this baptism, Alex set it up first. The, bapt- the one you want to make sure is right is the Holy Spirit coming in your life when Jesus Christ becomes Lord of your life. Alex, go from there. Well, God bless you, and thank you. You know, when I was at Liberty University 25 years ago, the Oneness Pentecostals, the UPC, uh, got on campus and caused no small amount of trouble in the lives of some of the students. All right, there's two problems that we have time for to talk about today. First of all, um, we are Trinitarian, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Basically, the the Oneness Pentecostals came about in the mid-20th century, um, and if their doctrine is right, then basically we've got to say 1950 years of church history was wrong. Um, The other thing is this, though, that Jesus affirmed the Father. Now, the denial of the Trinity by the Oneness Pentecostals is really a belief called modalism, like God works in modes. In the Old Testament, God had on this mode of the Father. In the New Testament, it was the Son. Now it's the Spirit. And for one thing, this was a, a heresy the early church soundly condemned. There was a guy named Sibelius, and ultimately this modalism taught by Sibelius Not only was it condemned by the early church, but it was what ultimately became Islam. So believe it or not, the Oneness Pentecostals have more in in common with the the Muslims than the Christians. But the final thing I would say, Burton, I'll throw it back to you, is um, there, there are people, and they're sincere, and they're just trying to find truth. And then there are other people that know truth but overtly reject it. Jesus constantly affirmed the Father. He said, you know, if you... Uh, are listening to the Father, you'll listen to me. And and the one who accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Now, here's the thing. One of the reasons that I could never be a United Pentecostal is because I want to believe what Jesus said. And Jesus clearly affirmed the reality of the Father at the baptism of Jesus on the Man of Transfiguration. We see the Spirit. So I'll grant you the Trinity is difficult. I don't understand it completely. But I do believe it because it's, it's, I think, unmistakably clear coming from the pages of Scripture. Amen. Scott, thank you. Hope that helps. It really does. At the baptism of Jesus, you had the Father speaking, the Holy Spirit descending, and Jesus being baptized. If it was, that's a strike against modalism. It takes a strike against oneness. All three are present and expressive there. And Jesus and, and Bert, is the one who said, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's in the red letter edition, Alex. Yeah, I forgot to say this, but about probably about five years ago when we were dealing with this question, I wrote an article. Actually, it was 
pretty long, about 5,000 words. And um, I think Devin or Brent put it on the Exploring the Word Facebook page, but I'm going to resubmit that, and we'll see if we can post that again, uh, either on AFR.net or on the Facebook page. But um, I wrote this article called Bible Facts About the Trinity, and, and we'll get that reposted, and maybe that might help. Okay, we're, we're just not going to have time. I see a question Z from Virginia had. Uh, Z, we're not going to be able to go to you. But let me just say, is the question is, Alex, is earth meant to be better than heaven or the other way around? The best thing I can say, some of the old Negro spirituals that was written when they were in slavery and in bondage and difficulty, man, they talked about a better day coming, and that was heaven, wasn't it, Alex? I'm telling you, oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. That they tell me of a place where no storm clouds rise. Uh, hey, I love life. I love life. But I can't wait to get to heaven because it will be, as Paul said, far better. Z, we hope that answers your question that you had because we'd have loved to heard from you. But again, because of where we are in the program, it'd be better to do that. And I, I just want to tell you, uh, we have had the Christian church in America has had it so good down here for his persecution, support, that it it hasn't been as difficult as it has been in most places and in most countries. I praise God for that. I do. But I want to just tell you, heaven's a better place, and it's waiting on those that know him as Savior. Alex, I will look ahead to chapter 25 of Proverbs tomorrow. That's going to be exciting. Well, it is. And folks, we thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. We sincerely do appreciate it. We really do. And we hope you'll tell somebody about Exploring the Word and all the great programming of the American Family Radio Network. But most of all, every chance you get, tell somebody about Jesus. Jesus.